Let's do the word this week. Uh, I want to talk about three women whose spirits we need to catch. Three women whose spirits we need to catch. It doesn't really have a title. That's a long title. That'd be a bad title. You know, three women, there's like no thought into that title, you know, but the three women, we could call it that too. Um, but I, I think it's, it's something I, I think that's really, really important. At, when our kids like grow up, we have four kids and they like they watch TV, like we let them watch TV and so you know like we're good parents and and when they're, when they're young, you know it's interesting like they all have American accents for a little while uh, because if they watch too much Disney Channel and just when they're learning to talk, uh, all of our kids went through the phase where they'd pronounce a whole bunch of words in quite a sort of American way or if they watch too much Peppa Pig in a little bit of a British way, you know, and uh, it's just this sort of like thing and it's amazing how like kids can, they spend a bunch of time with those characters and they sort of catch the spirit or the essence and it just comes out uh, you know by default that that we that spirits or essence that sort of idea it rubs off on us and and actually not only just the way they talk but actually sometimes the way they behave can like oh, the, from the characters it actually rubs off on them eventually we had to ban Peppa Pig in our household because if you haven't watched Peppa Pig Peppa Pig Peppa is very disrespectful to her dad okay like in the show like like, like the dad is portrayed, all the parents know this, okay? The dad is portrayed as this sort of like silly character to be dismissed. And so like Peppa's often said, oh, silly daddy. You know, it's like, it's just this sort of like this, this, and eventually we just couldn't handle it anymore. So we're just like, we have to ban Peppa because she's catching the spirit of these virtual characters that she's around. And, and I want to let you know that all of us are catching spirits in our lives from the things we absorb. We catch a spirit and essence from the TV. We catch a spirit and an essence from uh, the people we spend time with. We carry, uh, catch a spirit and essence from people in our past, from people in our present, we will in the future. And I want to, I guess when we come around giving, which some of us are like, some of your sphincters are, you know, sort of like, you know, like the, yeah, you're tightly wound today and, and a cynicism comes up. I know that's not the, like most people like, this is a great time, I'm excited about it, but everybody has different reactions depending on the spirit around giving that we've caught and the mindset and the people and the things in our past and, and whatever, wherever you came into today at, uh, I want you to catch the spirit from the scriptures. I want you to catch a spirit from these three women in the scriptures. I want them to rub off on you. That something of the way they saw this whole idea would rub off on the way we see this whole idea, that we would catch their spirit. So the first one is actually isn't one woman, it's a group of women. So it's a bit of a lie. It's not three women, it's a lot of women. So. Uh, some of you would love to be surrounded by a lot of women, but uh, you know, that's what this message is for you anyway. Luke chapter eight, verse one. Soon afterwards, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with them, some woman who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Don't put a woman in your life in the chat that you think needs to be cured from one. Uh, don't put your wife. Uh, among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Joanna, the wife of Chaza, now there is a great name, uh, Herod's business manager, and Susanna, and many others 
who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. And so this first sort of group of women, Mary, Joanna, Susan, and others that are not named, I think we want to catch from them the spirit of a mandate around giving, a mandate around giving. And a mandate is an official order or a commission to do something. And I want to let you know that on your life are many mandates. There are many mandates, and one of them is this mandate to recognize what God's doing on the earth and to bring what you have towards it so that it might be released. And from these women, we learn that a few made what God did possible in their day and age. And I think God calls people, He shifts people's hearts, He blesses your life so that you can catch this mandate to be a resource for what God's kingdom is doing in and around you. I think God does stuff in you that you might catch something in your life so that whatever God did, it doesn't stop with you on the earth, but it goes through you and is released around you and it keeps multiplying and expanding and it's sort of this exponentialness when we understand, hey, somebody made room for me, but now I can help make room for many more, one mores. They could see, I think these women could see that God was moving through Jesus. They knew something special was happening in their day and age. They had been impacted by it, the Bible tells us, and so they freely used their resources to allow it to impact others. What a beautiful spirit to catch that my life's been impacted by this ministry, so I'm going to bring my resources through a mandate to see it impact many, many more people. I want to let you know that these women are the silent and unseen characters behind every story in the Gospels. Isn't that incredible that Jesus and the 12 disciples, for three and a half years, they traveled, they preached, they healed, they ministered, they fed, and they transformed by preaching the good news through the entire nation of Israel and every single story behind it, these women released it and made it possible because they caught the mandate. They caught the mandate. Uh, every healing, they can be like, well, we were a part of that. Every salvation, we were a part of that. Every person they got set free, we were a part of that in our small way as we brought what we had behind what God was doing. And hey, there's no doubt, there's no doubt that God is writing a story with Curate. There's just no doubt that God's writing a story with Curate. I mean, like history would say, God's been writing a story with Curate. The present would say he's still writing a story with Curate. That this church, what God's done through it, which is greater than any one of us, God is on the move. And when we catch the spirit of the mandate and we, we realize, man, it's impacted me. It's touched my life. My kid got saved because of this. My friend got saved. My, my soul got restored. My, I found some friends. I, I found community. These are your stories, right? Like this is what's happened to your life. I fell in love with the church again. God set me free financially through what I've learned. This teachings helped me endure in my faith. Whatever it is about this ministry or any part of it that's touched your lives, it's about catching the spirit. It could touch many more lives because God is on the move and God's not just on the move in curate for curate God's on the move in curate for the sake of the kingdom and all of the things that are able to happen beyond curate and all the other people and places and churches that are helped because of curate we need to catch the spirit of the mandate I love that these women bought into the whole mission of Jesus not just the bit they liked I mean like Jesus fed the poor Jesus healed the sick 
But Jesus' main mission was to preach the good news of the kingdom of God to all of Israel. And they didn't just go, hey, well, Jesus, we'll give you some resource as long as you're feeding the hungry. And as long as you're housing the homeless. And as long as you're doing that prison ministry, Jesus, we're behind you. But hey, the rest of that stuff doesn't really inspire me. Oh, the rest of the, like, you know, all that sort of preaching and the, the discipling, that's not really my vibe. I don't want my money to go towards that. They, they, they caught a spirit of the whole mission. They caught a spirit of the whole thing. They didn't, they, they understand that, that God is on the move to save souls. And yeah, He wants to help people. And our mandate as a church is to help people in every way we can possibly help people. But let's not miss our central mandate, which is to reach people with the good news of Jesus and to see them discipled in the ways of Jesus and to see them prepared for the eternal life that God is ready to welcome them into. That is the central mandate. And part of vision offers and catching the spirit from these women to bind to the whole thing, the whole thing, not just the parts that make easy sense to us. You know, feeding the poor makes sense to anyone. Right? Like you don't have to be a Christian for that. But feeding the spirit, feeding the soul, caring for people, pastoring people, these are the things that we need to buy into the whole mission. The second woman is, is a widow. A widow. Luke chapter 21 verse 1. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. What? No, she hasn't. She hasn't. She's given less. But Jesus says she's given more for they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. I want to let you know from this woman, we learn about the measure of generosity the measure of generosity. We measure all sorts of things in this world. We, and we normally measure them by bigger, better, stronger, you know, like whatever it is. Like we measure, we look at size and scope and impact and zeros. But if we look at this woman's gift from the measures of this world, it doesn't even calculate. You know, the lepta, the two small coins is a lepta that she put in. It's worth one half of a Roman quadrant. And it would have taken 128 leptas to make a denarius, and a denarius is a day's wage. So two leptas is essentially a worthless amount of money. It's the amount that if you saw it on the, on the side of the street, unless you're like 100% desperate, you wouldn't even like humiliate yourself to pick it up. Like that's the amount that she brought in, but Jesus says she's given more. Because the measure, we've got to catch the spirit of how we measure generosity from the widow and from Jesus' observation. You know, I think this, this measure gives value to everything that's given in faith. That it's got nothing to do with the amount, but it's got to do with the faith that it is given with. No amount is insignificant when it's given with faith in God with faith in God. I need you to hear that because the word I got for this offering was, it's an everybody offering. Yeah. It's an everybody offering. And there's people you're out there being like, I don't have something of significance to give. If you use a worldly measure, but we're catching a spirit of a, of a scriptural measure, of a heavenly measure, which isn't about the amount. It isn't about the zeros. It's about the heart. It's about the faith that comes with the gift. The measure of generosity isn't zeros, it's faith. 
And I think this is where we get this idea that God doesn't count your offering like the bank teller counts it or like our accounts team will count it and account for it and make sure it's all stewarded well. But God weighs it. God's asking the question of how much of your heart was in it. How much of your spirit was in it? How much of your faith was in it? How much of your prayer was in it? How much did it mean to you? That's what it means when he weighs it. It actually says in Proverbs 21 verse 2, a person may think their own ways are right, but God weighs the heart. He weighs it. He weighs it. And when I look at our, even our personal journey of offerings, um, there's times where I feel like we've given over what I wish nobody knew we would have ever given over. It's like, hey, we gave, but like if you had measured it in the world standards, it's like, it's not, it's not a lot. But it's not about that. It's about going on the journey with God. Yeah. And thankfully, I'm able to look back and Katie and I are able to look back and go, man, we're able to give now what we earned you know, more than a decade ago. We're able to bring that to God now. And, and it's not about boasting or anything like that. You know my heart, it's about understanding we've just got to start on the journey of bringing our heart to God. And I couldn't even imagine that we would be able to do what we're able to do now in generosity back then, and it seemed insignificant then, felt like a widow's offering. But bring it with your full heart to God because God doesn't care about the measures of this world. And the third woman is, is Mary, Mary. Mark 14, verse 3. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She broke open the jar and she poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? Now to appreciate what she's done fully would require really diving into the whole social and cultural context that we don't have time for today. But, 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 but you will not always have me, Jesus says. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. It was a prophetic, generous act. And I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. You know, in other versions of the story, we learn that this really like, is like a year's or a half a year's worth of wages of value of perfume that's poured over Jesus. Like it's, it's incredible value. And that's why people were looking at it being like, you wasted it. You wasted it. Why would you pour that on Jesus? Like what a waste. You could have sold that. It, like they were looking with a strategic, analytical, sort of like earthly mindset of just doing the sums and being like, man, if you're going to bring something to God, bring it in a more strategic way than this. Isn't there real needs that we need to deal with? But Jesus is sort of saying, well, you're just looking at her act. You're not looking at her heart. You don't understand the whole context of what I'm doing here. And I think from Mary, we need to catch the spirit of motive. Because we're so strategic in our world, right? And I meet with, with people all the time. They're like, well, how much goes to here? And how much goes to there? And how much goes to mission? And how much goes to this? And all very important questions. I'm not belittling it. It's good. It's good to be a good steward. I always say, Kira, 100% goes to mission. 
Because our whole church is on mission. Our whole church is reaching people. Our whole church is discipling people and caring for people and serving people. And sometimes we can analyze, well, I wish more went to there. I wish more went to there too. But what Jesus is trying to say, could we take a step back from that, that place and catch a spirit of what Mary did? That Mary didn't let her earthly strategy overpower her heart to give to the Lord. She didn't let like it get caught up in the analytics and the reports and, and like, hey, we're, we're good stewards and I believe in good stewardship, but I want us to catch the spirit of Mary, which is that she did something unreasonable in the world's eyes and she did something unreasonable in religion's eyes and she even did something unreasonable in some of the disciples' eyes, but she didn't do something unreasonable in Jesus' eyes. Jesus actually celebrated her act that wasn't understood by the people who observed it. This is what happens in vision offering. You don't tell your friends who aren't Christians how much you gave in vision offering. Because <laughs> it doesn't make sense. You don't, I mean, you don't even tell, like when you go to get a mortgage and you talk to the bank manager, I mean, it doesn't make sense that you would give regularly to the church. It doesn't make sense to them. Like, because... It's not about, they're looking at it through a certain lens, but Jesus is trying to get us to understand that offerings are not about the church and they're not about the finances. They're about our heart and Jesus' heart. And I think Mary did what she did because she loved the Lord and she heard a small, a small voice in her spirit or maybe a nudge in her spirit that called her to do something unreasonable that didn't make sense. And if she stepped back and analyzed that, she would have been like, I better not do this, this is a waste. But she followed the nudge of God's leading in her life. And she didn't do it to get anything, because the motive matters, right? Yeah. Well, I got kids, they're nice to me all the time, but sometimes they're nice to me when they want something. <laughs> and it doesn't feel like they're really being nice. It feels like they're being manipulative. And sometimes we can offer to God in a manipulative spirit, not because we want to give Him something, but because we're hoping He blesses us in the future. His blessing is like, he does bless, but it's not the motive for giving. Mary tells us about the motive for giving. It's just all about Jesus. You know, like when the kids are trying to be nice to me to get something out of me, it makes the spirit around what's going on not sweet. But when we just give because we want to give to Jesus, there's always something sweet about it. There's always something sweet when our motives around finances are just Jesus. And for me, I always just remember and tried my best to remember what it was like to not know Jesus. I don't know, maybe you could go back there, even in your mind and your spirit right now. It makes me emotional. I didn't grow up in a home that went to church. I didn't grow up with the sort of default of knowing why I was on the earth or knowing that there was answers. I didn't grow up with the default of, or the sort of like the privilege of just being able to take that I'm all good for granted. I remember growing up just like, what, what, it doesn't make sense. And just, it, oh, there's got to be more out there and what, and I, I just grow up like not knowing where I fit or any, or no, any of that stuff. I don't know, even just because we have faith doesn't mean we don't struggle with some of those things. But I always try to remember who I was without Jesus because it's so easy to forget. After, you know, almost 20 years of following Jesus, it's just the air you breathe. And I take hope for granted that I don't wake up every day wondering, I know. I take having a relationship with God and in my dark moments, in my joyful moments, in my everyday moments, just being able to be present with Him. I take like the security of knowing I'm a son of God. It's easy to take it for granted. 
It's easy to take the fact that I'm just like one moment away from asking for help in any situation and receiving it. Like it's easy to take these things for granted, these before being a Christian things. And I think from Mary, she knew it tells us in the story that she, her life had been changed. And so she brought something to Jesus because she never grew from that place in a, in, in a way that she forgot who she would have been without Jesus. And I think we just need to remember that we're all just humble servants giving back to God what he's already given us. Now the breath in my lungs, it comes from Jesus. The fact that I'm allowed to live and that I have life comes from Jesus. The Bible says that everything that is and everything that's around us, it was made by him, it was made for him, it's made through him, and it's ultimately for his glory. And so when we remember that and we capture that, it does help us to get the right spirit around these things. Our mandate, our measure, and our motive. Man, it's been incredible what's been achieved. This is our seventh vision offering as a church. It's been amazing what's been achieved over these seven years, all for the glory of God, all by the grace of God. I think of all of the ways we've been able to expand, all of the one mores. Curate has always been this church, and I, I'll, it takes a lot of effort, but I'm never going to apologize for it. The church of the one more. We will never arrive. We will never settle. We will never stop having vision for reaching more, for making room for. And you know, we will deal with the inconvenience of parking further away. <laughs> we will deal with the inconvenience of having more gatherings and of stretching to more locations and of building new things and risking things and changing things because we've been so clear on that one thing all along that this isn't it. That what God's doing on this earth, it can't stop with me. It's got to flow through me. Because God wants to see the whole earth come to know Him. He wants to see the heavenly reality enter earth. He wants to see everybody with a hope. And so it's been amazing what's been released over the last seven years. We have an opportunity today to release something for the seven years ahead. Through this year in Curate Cares, we've been able to feed thousands of people. Thousands of people. Because of the generosity of our church. We've altered things that we're about to like commission a Curate Cares Community Center and your giving today makes that possible and that through that center we're going to be feeding people. It's going to house so much of our local community missions in Tauranga and it's just going to be incredible what's able to happen through there. The recovery programs, the, the educational programs, the homeless day shelters, the, all the different things that are able to happen because of that. It's been amazing through Curate Online and already we've reached over 80,000 people through Curate Online. We've seen 140 people make decisions for Jesus. We're reaching beyond like into like 25 or so different nations around the world through this. And so your giving's made it possible, but your giving today is going to continue to make it possible in the future. Your giving in the past has made Curate College possible. We've had an awesome bunch of full-time and part-time students and we're going to keep growing that for the next wave of leaders and pastors as that grows over the years. Curate Auckland, your giving has made, managed, we've been able to set up what was set up up there and we keep being delayed in launches and all these things, but we've got a great community of like 150 people and there's small groups and there's great life and there's an amazing facility ready to house the one mores 
that God has, and we're going to keep funding that. Kirei Whakatahani, we've been through a lot of transition there, but we're excited for what's ahead. We're going to sow into the future so that Kirei Whakatahani can be ready for the more that God has for it. And I know like most people's least favorite thing is facilities, but I want to tell you one of my most favorite things are facilities. Not because I care about buildings. I don't really care about buildings, but I know that everything God does needs to be housed in something. Your, your, even your body houses what God's doing. And, like, and the church houses what God's doing. And the physical like, buildings allow a release of what God does. And they allow like, people to gather and they allow people to be prayed for. And they allow people to find a seat and people to wander in off the street street and they allow people to sit and have a coffee and they allow people to come in during the week and receive counseling and support and they allow programs and all different things to happen and so like facilities facilitate and it's and we're investing in our facilities and so today for our vision offering as we keep adapting as a church we know our mandate we catch it that we've got to be about the mission of God's church in the same way the women were about the mission of Jesus. Because the mission of Jesus is God's church. We've got to have that, that, that measure of generosity, that everyone's spirit, that God's not counting your offering today. He's weighing it. It's not about the amount, it's about the heart that it is given with today. And we've got to have this, this motive that is just Jesus-centered. Not anything. Get rid of all the rest of the rubbish. Get rid of those spirits that you've caught along the way. And just get the spirit of Jesus.